two games this week, the first of which was the draw and subsequent penalty win at Sunderland in the League Cup. Richard Sandland said that he read various fans pre-season saying that we were beginning to resemble an Alex side. After tonight, he can see what they mean. Robert just listened to the audio, but he felt it sounded like a really solid performance. James was dubious about playing five at the back and starting offered, but it paid off. Sunderland brought on their better players at half-time and swung the game, but he thought Crew held on well. However, James has concerns about the goalkeeper and his diving. Pablo, 55, thought we're building into a dangerous-looking side. He also felt we had to defend when they brought their best players on, or Reardon was man of the match for him. Rich Hassel thought it was a phenomenal and fully deserved win. Every single player deserved it. And that to go three centre-backs and two up front worked so well, and he wouldn't mind that going forward. Rich also feels that O'Riordan should be one of the first names in the team sheet, and Holacek and Tabs played with such confidence for lads at such a young age that they have such a great future. Peter Robinson liked Powell and Holacek. He also thought the second half we dug in and defended well, and that was a great save in the last minute. He also thought that the formation worked well. The second match was another draw, this time at Swindon. Jonathan Ditty thought he'd take the point, but also believes we really have to start games better. He feels that it will be really interesting to see where we are on Tuesday, and the next two home games are winnable. Six points from those two makes a real statement. Dino for Alex's main concern is the brittle defence. He feels we can't keep going two down before waking up. Daz thought that Holacek and Nevitt changed the game completely. He was also hugely disappointed with Powell and Tabiner and feels that one of those needs to make way for Holacek versus Newport. However, he does feel that the character in this squad is clear to see. Mark Bertels tells us that he's going to save his for the podcast, which you'll hear shortly. Artificial Original thought that like last weekend, we would have taken a point before kickoff. Even better to get that point after going two down. However, he also feels we need to stop giving sides these two goal head starts. Joe feels that the only positive is getting something in the game we're very poor in. He also feels that never lining things up and if only his header went in at the end. Rob Murray felt that we played like strangers for large amounts of the game, turning the ball over far too easily in bad positions. Rob is also worried about how CBR looks off the pace, but he feels that never made a real difference up front when he came on. He'll take a point, but we could easily have nicked it. He has no words for the ref. Graham R. Miles thinks it was definitely a game of two halves. First half, we made it far too easy for them just standing off. Graham feels that Holacek made a massive difference to the midfield when he came on and that Williams was a lot better after he was moved more central. Rich Hassel feels that 3-5-2 has to be the way forward. Four players started out on their natural position. We have five good centre-backs and four good strikers. He also feels that Thomas isn't a natural defensive midfielder, so if he plays, we need three behind him. Otherwise, we're really, really exposed. Brad Budden thought we played awful most of the game, and after 2-0 down, he'll definitely take it. Brad also feels we need a new midfielder in. Hello, welcome to the Railway Men podcast. Stu is still on his travels for a final week, so once more I am your stand-in host. Two games to discuss this week, lots of excitement and drama, and for that I'm going to need a panel to accompany me. First up, I'm making his season debut, is the other price. Some may say the superior price. Neil, morning. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, guys. Second, joining us for his second appearance of the season, Mark Bertels. Hello, Mark. Hello, everybody. Good to have you with us, Mark. And finally, our first full pod debut of the season, and a very warm welcome to the pod, Darren Stevens. Hello, Darren. Hello, thank you for having me. Absolutely, a pleasure, Darren. Now, Darren, as you may have heard if you've listened to the pod previously, as is tradition on a pod debut, we ask our panellists to kind of give us a brief rundown of their Alex supporting history and maybe even nominate a favourite player from that time. So, over to you. Okay. Well, I've been watching crew pretty much all of this century, so I'd say since about uh, 2000. 
to be honest, that it started off as a second team for me. I was a Newcastle season ticket holder during the uh, Bobby Robson years. And I'd often go and watch crew on the days when Newcastle weren't playing. So sometimes watch crew on the Saturday and then and then Newcastle on the on the Sunday or Monday or whenever they happen to be playing. Got really hooked by crew, uh, like Dario Grady, like the football philosophy, the way the club was run, the development of the young players, etc. Um one early match I recall was, I think it was April 2001, and I remember it was a Tuesday night match. Crew versus Queen's Park Rangers in the Championship, 2-0 down, four minutes to go. Uh, three players sent off, uh, including Peter Crouch uh, from QPR, Colin Little from, from Crew, and Sean Smith, who we saw on the picture course alongside David Platt at the Mansfield match. He scored a, a last-minute equaliser, 2-2. Uh, so since then, I've, I've watched Crew... I'm really into football grounds. I joined the 92 club a couple of years ago. So I'd, I'd been to watch a first team match at every nine, uh, all the 92 grounds um, during their current tenure in the Football League. And I've watched crew all over the country from Plymouth to Sunderland, Brighton to Carlisle, Cardiff to Grimsby. Um, I was at the two Wembley matches in 2012-13. And don't really have a favourite player. I was thinking about that. You tipped me off, but... If I have to plump for one, I'll go for Harry Pickering um, on the grounds that I really, and I think we all enjoyed that that season a couple of years ago, 2020-21, and those sort of interchanges with Charlie Charlie Kirk. And I think what I like about him is the way he's gone on to make such a good start at Blackburn. He appears to be a really good, uh, really good professional, good temperament. So I, I, I admire what he's done. Brilliant. Thanks, Darren. A few nods there from the panel. For that QPR game, I remember that game. I was giving Peter Crouch, Crouch absolute pelters from the Gresty Road end. I seem to remember. Um, so rejected Newcastle in favour of the mighty Alex. That's right. I'd far rather be at Spotland watching Rochdale against Crew than than Old Trafford. I worked out in the end watching you know, watching Newcastle. Excellent. Well, on to the action from the week. And last week we spent a little bit of time speaking about whether we really wanted um, a midweek League Cup trip to Sunderland. As it happens. Eventually, we probably did. Now, Darren, it's a bit of a baptism of fire for you here because um, you were the, uh, the the one member of the panel to make it to the game and it wasn't streamed. So we are going to kind of really throw you in at the deep end here uh, and ask you for your thoughts on, on the match. A um, few changes, which we discussed last week, and a few changes appeared on the pitch. Um, change in system? Who played where? Well, um I think we played. Um, I think we played five at the back, didn't we? Uh, which was a change from the from the man from the Mansfield um, game, and um, it was a very it was a very. I think Sunderland made ten changes, including the sixteen year old, of course, that, uh, that that scored against us. Although we managed to have the had the last laugh, um, and um, I think we made five changes. It was a it was a very even it was a very even first half. And uh, yeah, it was great. It was a great night. Um, so uh, yeah, very enjoyable night. And I think Luke Offord's goal was um, right in front of you. Was it? Was it in front of the travelling crew fans? It was because one of the great things was that we were in the north stand, right behind that goal. And normally at Sunderland, the away fans are right up in the right up in the heavens. But because it was a there was sort of ten thousand people there, we had a, we were we were right behind the goal, um, and that corner came in and. Uh, yeah, it was right, right in front of us, and uh, yeah, Luke Offord nodded it in from the back post, and uh, right, I think it was an in injury time, wasn't it, uh, or added time at the end of the first half. So yeah, and what was good as well, I thought, was when Sunderland equalised, we could have folded, um, but one of the features of the last week has been the resilience, I think, the crew has shown, and I thought it was very good the way that we reacted to that equalising goal uh, and managed to get it into into the penalties. So was there a lot of pressure? Obviously, once, as you mentioned, um, Rig, the 16-year-old equalises for Sunderland. Um, did they build up head of steam and have lots of pressure once they got that, that equaliser? They did for the, for the bit before the goal and, and, and just after it. Of course, they were throwing on some of their uh, big hitters uh, from, the, from the subs bench. Um, and, uh, yeah, it looked, it looked after the goal like Sunderland... Were most likely to go on to win it, but and I think that was what was what was one of the pleasing things of the night, really, the way we managed to stabilise that, recover from that, um, calm the game down largely, and then probably towards the end it was a bit calmer, got it into penalties, and then we had the five magnificent penalties. 
We'll talk about the penalties in a minute because I'll bring the rest of the panel in there because I would imagine they've seen them. Who would you say your man of the match was for the 90 minutes? Um, I, well, I, I really liked um, Cooney, Ryan Cooney. I thought he was, a, he was a, you know, he'd come in and, of course, he'd, um, everybody was saying that he wasn't, he wasn't particularly fit. And, and it was, I think, for, for me at least, it seemed surprising that he was playing, but he, he, he played really, really well. And he looks like a right back. You know, he looks like, I don't know, like a got the, the, the kind of um, stature of a right back. I was very impressed with him. He looked very accomplished. And of course, I know, I know you're going to talk about penalties in a minute. He, he had the last kick of the night, but I liked him. I thought that was a good sign. I'm always very careful about the word stature and Ryan Cooney because I've got in trouble for that before. So I'm going to move swiftly on. Um, on to the penalties. Um, obviously, the rest of the, the panel probably saw them. Mark... Last year, we witnessed possibly the worst penalty shootout in history in the Pizza Cup. What about those five penalties? I appreciate it's not exactly the World Cup semi-final, but still, five fantastic penalties. Would you agree? Absolutely. And no, it's not the World Cup, but it's still Sunderland away. Um, and there's still a lot on it, you know, and um, all of the penalties were um, were absolutely superb. They really were. And, I, you know, I... It was a free hit. I wasn't expecting this to win. wasn't expecting this to win the penalty shootout either, if I'm honest, um, because I thought nerves would get the better of them. But um, I think Bradley said that they practised them the day before, but not to excess, because I think he said you can over-practice them, which is uh, um, interesting. Um, but yeah, fair play to the preparation. And uh, brilliant, fantastic penalties, all of them. Out of the five of them, I was only really confident, I'll be honest, about Chris Long. Neil, were you, were you confident about those five names? I, I, I looked at who, particularly Nevitt, I thought, mm, how's he going to score? And were you confident in those five players when they strolled forward? Um, when they walked up, I probably was. They probably wouldn't be the five that I would have picked before. I think in my head, I worked out who I would probably have thought would take them. But when you got someone like sort of, um, sort of Taberner and stuff like that, you think, I've Fair enough, he's technically really good, so he should be, yeah, he should should score, but um, yeah, I don't know whether he might allude to it, but when uh, Ryan Cooney walked up and he was straight, he wasn't curved at all, I, was, I thought, he's not going to score this, um, but yeah, fair play to him, cool as you like, winning penalty in sort of a Dan Ajay story run up and side-footed it after the keeper had dived. Mark, we've spoken a lot about Cooney on this pod, um, and I do think that penalty and the subsequent celebration could go a long way to sealing his cult hero status. I hope so. I mean, I, I told you I saw him play at Burton in the friendly at home, and I thought he was good. He came on, and Charlie Finney got injured, and and he was good. You know, he, he's a big lad, um, but he certainly put himself about. Now, you know, without being unfair, he has clearly lost weight since then, um, and. I mean, I, I want to believe that he meant every second of that. Uh, and it looked really as if he did. It really did. It, it looked like he um, he wanted to bamboozle the keeper with the run-up. And he did. He just side-footed it into the corner. Like he, he believed in himself. And, yeah, the celebration was um, was particularly nice. Um, so, yeah, I hope so. I hope, it, you know, I, we've, we've dropped on there. As Darren's just said, he does look like a right-back Um and we'll come on to it later, but you know, I think we might see him a little bit more if Belly tweaks the system. Um, so obviously, uh, a hard night's work, Gloria penalties, a great win. Everyone excitedly tunes in to the draw, and our reward is a trip to Burslem. Darren, does that next round fill you with joy? <laughs> uh, well, well, I, I, I was pleased with the draw in the sense that you know. You either want a, a draw where you've um, got a we've got a realistic chance of getting through, and we have there, um, or you want to go to you know one of the big big clubs and get Everton away or something like that. So um, it was probably better than uh, I, I see the reaction on social media sometimes, which makes me laugh uh, from some crew fans whenever we get a cup draw and everybody seems to think it's a terrible draw every time. So I was, I was expecting sort of Harrogate away or something, everybody to be really miserable about it, although it would have suited me because I live not far from there. Um, so Port Vale away, local derby, decent chance of getting through. 
Mark, I know you're a fan. Were you pleased with that draw? No. I um, People that uh, listen regularly will know that we've got a, a pod chat group, and I actually had a feeling all day. I told you guys, didn't I? I had a, a gut feeling it was going to happen. And they came out, um, and as as they drew the ball out, I'd already got my head down and me, you know, leaning on my hand like this, just waiting. And it was almost surreal when it came out, and I was just shaking my head. I'm sure the um, the Staffordshire and Cheshire constabularies will be uh, discussing things between now and then. It should be an eventful night, but no, I'm not a fan. I think people always talk about who they would like. I, I think I would have liked anyone but them. Final point from the uh, the Sunderland match: one positive, one negative. Um, first, which is unfortunately there was some damage done to some of the uh, the crew, the travelling crew buses um, after the match from some Sunderland fans, which was a bit of a sour note to end a great evening on. But finally, um, Neil, I'll come to you on this one. Really good gesture from the club, offering to refund all those fans who made their way up there. Really positive move. Would you agree? Yeah, massively. It's um, it sheds a yeah massive positive stint on the club, and you sort of see that by the reaction on social media from like fans of other clubs thinking, "Jesus, you won!" Like, and you you're giving away sort of like money, and like it wasn't as if we got beat seven nil or something away to Barnsley. It's um, it was a, yeah a positive sort of thing from the club, and realistically, they probably haven't um. Probably not going to lose that much money when you look at how many fans were there, how many fans are actually going to take up the offer as well. I know my mum and dad went, I think they have, but they said, ironically, before they draw, they said they're going to sort of take it up and then they'll use that money towards the second round. But I think they're in Mark's camp and aren't keen on a trip to Burslem. So I think they'll use it for another game somewhere else. I think. I may be wrong here. But I'm going to throw it out to the panel. Anyone remember the last refund crew offered after a match? I I thought about it and I can't remember him ever doing it. So you're going to was, stop me if you say there is one. There's one a few years ago. I'm sure there was. I want to say like Colchester or something silly like that. Correct. 6-0 Colchester. Uh, and there in a car on the way home, I got a text from my wife telling me I can get my money back because Dave Artel's offered to, re- <laughs> to refund everybody. Yeah, because it was a play. He made all the players chipping, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. All the players and staff. Mm-hmm. Slightly different circumstances this time, shall we say? Okay, on to Saturday, and we were the opponents for Swindon's first league game of the season. One change for the Mansfield game saw CBR come in for Nevitt. Um, Mark, um, after an, a largely anonymous twenty minutes against Mansfield, do you think Nevitt's a bit hard done by here? Because CBR didn't really do very much when he came on. Um, yes, and now I, that's not to say that I didn't uh, agree with this, the change yesterday um, because I think out of the two, I would always think that uh, Baker Richardson was the more effective. Um, but he was largely anonymous for 20 minutes against Mansfield and he was even more anonymous yesterday. Um, I want to believe that he's not fit or he's carrying some kind of knock or... Um, he didn't feel very well. I don't know. But at times he looked like he couldn't be asked. He looked completely disinterested. He was ineffective. Um, and actually, when Nevitt came on and replaced him, he, he changed the game and looked. I always remember when we had um, Ashton's the, the prime example. But And I know I heart back to Dario a lot. But I remember him saying that in that position as centre-forward, you've got to roar around and you've got to be chasing defenders down, closing down. You're going to get clattered from the back. You are a, a target man. You are expected to hold it up and bring other people into the game. And I just didn't see any of that. Um, and that's what I want to see from a, a centre forward. And, and and Nevitt did that when he came on. And, you know, I'm not the manager, but if I was, Nevitt would be my first choice on uh, Tuesday night to go back in because I, I think he he did as much as you could expect him to do. And he, he earned his start in, in the time that he was on. Darren, the start. Um, at Swindon was very similar to Mansfield. We were very tentative. We were we were second to every ball, and we were really really rocking in the early part of the match. Um, how did it look to you from the stands? Would you agree? I, I would. I think you summed it up really well. And I think the other thing was there was absolutely no um, kind of fluidity. No, you know, there was no no interchange of passes. Um, and you know, Swindon just before the goal 
were the dominant team. I mean, they were thoroughly deserved to, to go ahead and they continued to be the dominant team for a little period after the goal. And then I think it, it calmed down a little bit in the build-up to half-time. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, obviously, it's always difficult to tell because don't, we don't know how good Swindon are, if you see what I mean. You know, in the build-up to the game, they they were very optimistic themselves because apparently they played quite well at um, Peterborough. They lost on penalties, but Peterborough feels quite a strong side. But they didn't, their game at Colchester last week was called off. Um, there's a lot of optimism there uh, for some reason. The managers come in, didn't do very well at Walsall, but obviously did well at um, Newport. Um, so what I'm trying to say, I suppose, is only time will tell whether Swindon are one of the better teams or not, and therefore it puts our performance in perspective. Um, but it wasn't a good first half, obviously. When you say you don't know how good Swindon are, um, my take on it was not very. I think that I, as much as I was pleased to get a point at the end, I was delighted to get a point at the end, I also feel like it's an opportunity missed because I, I think if we got at them like we did in the second half, right from the word go, I think we'd have beaten them comfortably. They didn't... Um, they didn't terrify me. I wasn't watching it thinking, wow, these... You know, Mansfield were, were a good side last week and you could see that. I didn't see that from Twindon yesterday. I thought they were beatable. And um, and I, as I say, there's a tinge of disappointment that um, that we didn't come away with a bit more. Mm. Neil, we um we had a moment when there was a remarkable kind of a individual moment from the ref when he instantly dished out two yellow cards in, in one moment to, um, I think it was Adebisi and Powell for dissent. Obviously, the new rules are here and it's going to take a little bit of getting used to. Are the new rules going to take the emotion out of football or do players just need to shut their gobs and stop berating referees? It's a bit of both, really, isn't it? It's, it's funny, isn't it, how, like, yeah, I was watching it and you frustrated because then I was, like, afterwards thinking either Thomas or Powell's probably looking like they could easily get a red card if they put one, one bad tackle in and... But yeah, I think unfortunately with the rules, you can't really blame the ref. It's the rules are the rules now and they're sticking to that and we have to sort of get used to it and get used to it before other teams and then we can hopefully capitalise on them getting silly red cards somewhere down the line. Um, but I do like I don't want to criticise the thing as well because I do think it's for the good of the game in terms of I'm sick of like sort of seeing people just sort of berate sort of referees, like from like managers to players to to everyone. So it'd be good to like calm it all down a little bit. But um, yeah, it all seems a little bit too soon, too fast. But um, hopefully we can we can learn from yesterday and sort of yeah be more aware of it. Because if I was Swindon, I would have looked at our midfield and thought one of them is just one slightly bad tackle away from getting a red card here. So let's let's try and sort of I don't know, dangle a foot so they catch us or something. But... Consistency, I think, is important. What I mean by that is the the injury time on the uh, the game against Mansfield was just ludicrous. Um, and it significantly came down yesterday, um, not just in our game, across the whole of the Football League. And then, you know, I watched the game and it was a, a poor decision from the ref and, and neither of the uh, the two that questioned, all right, they were shouting and they were saying that it was handball, but um, I watched match of the day last night, I watched the Football League show and I saw that over and over and over again and there was no yellow. You know, and, and later on in the game, there were Swindon players that were moaning about decisions and they didn't get booked. Um, it just seemed a bit ridiculous and and what it's going to do, it's, it, it's going to force referees to send players off far too early and for, for ridiculous reasons. Um, neither of those two were justifiable yellows in, in my book. If they stuck to that and every time a player questioned a referee, they were brandished a yellow card, then that's different because then it becomes um, the players can't question it. That's it. It's black and white. But I don't think you're going to see that. I think it depends on the referee and that that's not really right, is it? No. I don't know if you've seen the the Rotherham guy that got sent off yesterday, I mean, he got booked for celebrating the goal and then he got booked like moments later for sort of waving an imaginary sort of yellow card, but it wasn't, it wasn't over the top waving an imaginary card. And you think like, 
how many teams are going to suffer from things like that this season? Yeah, I mean, my my reading of it was that I, I assume that they brought in this this rule to stop players sort of crowding round the referee. Uh, that clearly isn't what happened with our two players that got a yellow card. But what did happen, what might be different from just um, moaning to the referee, was offered and uh, the two players that got booked, Powell and Adebayze, they both kind of rushed forward a little bit towards the referee. And it's quite interesting. If you watch it closely, and I saw it live, Offord actually had his arms outstretched, um, trying to stop those two players, because one was coming from his left and one was coming from his right. Sort of telling them almost as they were coming forward, go back, leave it to me, leave it to me. Because it seems to be that the captain's allowed to speak to the, the referee, but not other players. So I think what happened was the two players got booked because they, they rushed forward to the referee, not just complaining. I'm not defending it, but and, and I think Lee Bell in his interview afterwards was sort of defending the referee in the sense of, I think they've been told to not give the benefit of the doubt. I mean, he ended up booking both goalkeepers, didn't he, for time-wasting. It's there's no there's no benefit of the doubt. It's like if you do that, it's yellow. End it's off. emotional. The the, the the decision was ridiculous, right? And if I'd have been on the pitch, I'd have been saying referee, that's wrong. And you're absolutely right. I think that's the captain's role nowadays is to speak on behalf of the team. My issue with that is that Luke Offer did exactly what he was supposed to do, and when he put his arms out, both players stopped. But the referee had already made a decision. He was going to book both of them and the card was out of his pocket. So he didn't actually allow the, the uh, process to happen for the captain to say, whoa, 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 step back, I'll deal with this. That didn't happen. They were booked already. So I, don't know, I think the referee was just a bit of a dick, to be honest. Be interesting to see. I like that critique, Mark. That's very good. Um, be interested to see if these rules are still being consistently applied come November. There's like a lot of new kind of uh, rules or tweaks that get introduced. Do they get forgotten once you're into that treadmill of the season? So maybe maybe this is something we'll be revisiting. However, we'll come back. If Bell's booking, um, then, it, you know, if Artel was still in the dugout, he'd be getting sent off every week. Yeah. And actually, wasn't it Swindon where he was sent off? Yeah, I think it, it was, was yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, back to the match, uh, and we do concede. Uh, as we've, as Darren said, there was lots of pressure, and we concede a, a fairly sloppy goal. Darren, what was your perspective on it? Yeah, there was an element of inevitability about it for the reason you just said. It was kind of a um, build-up of pressure. It was an odd goal, wasn't it? Because the cross came in, it was headed back in, and to be fair to the guy who scored, it was quite a quite a decent header because it was slightly behind him, and he managed to sort of steer it. Um, past the goalkeeper's right hand, I think it was. So, um, but it, there was an inevitability about it, and uh, but yeah, decent goal from their point of view. Poor, poor period of play for us. And shortly after that, without wishing return to return to the subject of yellow cards, Neil, we saw the return of the Zach Williams scything tackle that we haven't really seen much of this year. Something he really needs to eradicate from his game, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, no, he really does. It's, I mean, I, I think I read um, Adam's report this morning, and he said that it could have easily or should have been a red. Um, I looked at it and thought it's probably a yellow. To be honest, I'd be annoyed if we got red for it. But um, yeah, something that he he definitely needs to work on in his game of sort of not flying in like that. So half-time arrives and there's a tweak. And we've already mentioned Thomas was on the booking. So Holacek comes on for Thomas. But then straight after half-time, we concede again. Mark, talk us through that one. Goalkeeper error. All day. And, I, and I'm not just jumping on the goalkeepers because that's what I always seem to do. I hate it. And I wish I wasn't talking about it now. Um, but what having watched it back, his starting position is fine. In fact, it's better than fine. It's good. That's where he should be. There's not a gaping hole between him and the near post. Um, the player caught it sweet, yeah, but I just think that if that was Dave Richards or James Beadle or Arthur, I would be saying exactly the same. It's nothing against him. Um, but I think we, we should be saving it. Uh, it's a front post shot from the edge of the area. It's close to him. Um, he's either switched off and he's not fully concentrating or he's just not very good. Um I, I don't know what everybody else thinks, but that was my take on it straight away. Darren, you'd probably have had a good view of that goalkeeping error to you. Um, I, I didn't think so myself, but, you know, um, it's just 
I hadn't occurred to me, and I've watched it back, and I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see it like that myself. I, I'm quite impressed with the goalkeeper. I thought he started. Um, there was an element of doubt, I think, in the Mansfield game. Um, there were one or two things, but I think we were all giving him the benefit of the doubt because even Beadle and Arthur, when they came in, well, particularly Arthur, didn't start that well. What I like about this goalkeeper is that um, I like his temperament. He seems very calm to me. And, and I think he, the way he played at Sunderland yesterday was much better, particularly at Sunderland. Um, what I thought what happened there was that it felt a bit chaotic to me to start the second half, because although we had only made one substitution, I was personally still trying to work out what the hell we'd done in terms of formation. Um, and the players looked a little bit uncertain to me. Um, and they just looked a little bit, not, not just the goal itself, but the two minutes that led up to it. We looked a little bit disorientated. Uh, didn't get off to a good start um, in the second half. And really, really good goal. If you watch it, he was played into him. He holds him off with his left hand. You know, he's on he's on loan from Bradford. He'd just come on within two minutes of his debut. And it was a really, really good... He, he turns the guy, creates a little bit of space and rifles it in the corner. And Darren's already mentioned formations there, Mark. And it looks like eventually in that second half, we make a switch back to the three-five-two once more. I am a fan of 4-3-3. I always have been for years and years and years. Um, however, I think that this group is particularly suited to that five. I think, I've watched an interview this morning with Zach Williams and he says that his favourite position is the left uh, centre-half of a three. You know, we've got Demetrio offered, Billy's still there, uh, Conor O'Reardon, who, I, you know, I'm astonished isn't getting in the team. Um, and the players seem to enjoy playing it better, you know, they, they played well on Tuesday with it and they played better yesterday when they switched. Um, and I think it might be something that we look at doing from the start. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it well, the, the game spoke for itself in the second half. We were by, apart from the Charlie Austin sitter that he missed, we were by far and away the better side. And, um, you know, I think another 10, 15 minutes on the end, we, we might have gone on to win that. So, you know, I'm a fan. And as Darren said earlier on, I like Cooney. I think he's good. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not Rio's biggest fan, but what, what can you say? Two goals in two games. Um, fair play to him. Three and three, actually. Including Newport. Yeah. Thank we, you. Yes, you're right. We spoke a lot about 3-5-2 on the pod last year, and, and the consensus was that we were missing the component of a right wing back because for all of Kelvin's qualities, he was never going to get up and down there all day. And then we signed that fella from Forest Green, whose name I've forgotten because he was so... Robinson. That, that'll be it. So he he kind of helped out a little bit. Neil, now we've got Cooney in the side. Do you think three five two is the way forward? Because like Mark's alluded to, our strength is our centre-backs. Yeah, no, no, definitely. I completely agree with everything that Mark just said then. That, um, like Even like when you look at Rio yesterday, I mean, he was like pretty much playing like a left forward. He was in the box. I know obviously he scored the header, but he was in the box a couple of other times as well, like a back post, ready to sort of head in like other crosses and stuff. So it definitely works. And I say, if you got that, like if Rio is that far ahead, you can push. Obviously, Zach could be like playing effectively left back at that time in case he loses the ball. And yeah, no, I I wholeheartedly agree with it. Um, that's why I'd play if I was Lee Bell. Do you think there's a slight element that the fan, the crew fan base, I mean, is slightly scarred by the five at the back from the relegation season and Artel's insistence on playing five and playing basically everybody bar the two goalkeepers at full back uh, or wing back? And I think when you say five to some crew fans, like, no, no, absolutely not. We're not going back to that. Whereas it's a different group of players and a different manager and it looks completely different now. And I think yeah. playing playing two attackers through the middle suits Nevit more as well, doesn't it? Yeah. Holacek, by the way, he um, he's going to be some player, isn't he? Okay. With these changes, then out of the blue, a bit like Mansfield, really, we, we snatch a goal. Um, Darren, when Zach Williams pulled his left leg back, I was sitting there watching, thinking, what are you doing? Um, yeah. What's your take on the goal? Yeah, I, I felt the same. I thought it was uh, I had a good view of that one. And it, it, he was far too far out, wasn't he, <laughs> to shoot? And we were all thinking there's no, there's, no, there's no prospect of that resulting in a goal. 
I think it was one of those ones which benefited from being slightly mishit. Um, you know, it was a left foot strike, um, quite a way out actually when you watch it back. Managed to find its way without sort of getting intercepted. And I think the goalkeeper seemed a bit slow, even though I think he's a good goalkeeper. And it bounced only once. I did watch it. I thought it might bounce twice. It only bounced once. And it just sort of bobbled in the corner. Um, and it was one of those ones that probably, as I say, benefited from not being cleanly hit, completely out of the blue. Um, and all of a sudden, because it was only 60 minutes, and because of what had happened with Mansfield coming back from two down, I thought, oh, this, you know, it could be on. I think having played in goal, I, I can uh, and watched the replay. I think the goalkeeper was unsighted. Um, he didn't catch it very well and it did bounce once uh, and I would probably be saying the keeper should save it if I was a Swindon fan but I think he was on site I don't think he could see it until it was too late I think if Swindon play you can just see he moves his body out of the way at the last moment and I think that probably means the keeper's a bit unsighted but I think that strengthens the argument for if you don't shoot you don't score you know it's good mm -hmm. to see that players are willing to have a pop and I mean that, that can happen mm -hmm. So like Darren suggested to us, that suddenly changed the game and there's a few chances. There's a great save from the keeper from a Chris Long free kick. Um, and then eventually we do break through. We do equalise. Neil, talk us through that that goal from the goal machine that is Rio Adebisi. Yeah, no, great header. I mean, the, the cross as well um, coming in was, yeah, fabulous. Like back post and then obviously he's, he was there in the right place to... Edit across goal and away we go to all. Okay, and after that, crew look most likely to win it, but the game peters out to a draw. So at the end of our first full week of the season, Mark, three draws. Is that a good start? It's very difficult to um, contextualise, isn't it? And I and I agree with Darren um, when you know if Swindon and, and Mansfield end up being first and second come May, then there'll be two amazing points. Um, if they don't, then maybe not. I think given the circumstances uh, that we were two down in both, I think, yeah, I'm happy with the league. I'm obviously at Sunderland, we'll just overlook because everyone's happy with that. That's an amazing result. Um, but the two league games, yeah, we were obviously frustrated to be 2-0 down in both. We started too slowly in both. Um, but I think... More often than not, football teams are, are a reflection of the manager. And if you remember Belly as a player, he was never beaten. He was um, he strived to win. He is a winner. He says he doesn't like losing. And that's good. That'll serve as well if we've got that mentality that we don't know when we're beaten. Um, I think, yes, I, I'm, I'm really happy with the, the two results given the circumstances. But, there's always a but, isn't there? Um, I want to see his... Um, a minimum of four points in the next two home games, I think. And then we're looking at a good, solid start. OK, that's probably Swindon rounded up. And our next opponents are Newport at home on Tuesday night. I spoke to Ed from the 1912 Exiles podcast for their side of things. So Graham Cochran took over in October. Um, has his first pre-season seen any real changes in the team and, and what transfers has he brought in? Yeah, I mean, it has seen a lot of change. I don't think he would have wanted quite so much change. But I mean, it is the nature of Newport County that every year we pretty much have to do a rebuild because uh, players who are out of contract uh, either leave us for bigger clubs um, because they've done well or we discard them because they've not done well enough. We we rarely have players who are signed for multiple years who we, we can keep. So there's always a big rebuilding job. This year, more so than usual, we lost a, a crop of very experienced players who had actually been with the club for a while, the likes of Mickey Dimitriou, Cameron Norman, Priestley Parkinson, players who've been at the heart of a, a defence that although we'd looked a little bit ropey at times last season, you know, lots of experienced, skillful players there. Um, so the big rebuilding job was in the defence. Uh, Coughlin, I think, has has done pretty well. I mean, as a former centre-half himself, you would expect him to know what he's looking for. And he's brought in a particular type of player. You know, there's, there's a couple of key things. They are physically very, very strong and very, very fit. So we're a well drilled um and and yeah strong physique sort of team um but he's also 
focus particularly on players who can cover multiple positions we've got I think by common uh, acceptance we've got the lowest budget in the fourth division so um, any player who can cover two positions or three positions is like gold dust so um, we focus particularly on players who can play in in several different areas so the likes of uh, Bryn Morris from Grimsby who can play centre midfield or or centre half Um, Carl Jameson left-sided centre-back who can potentially also cover uh, full-back we already had a crop of players like Will Evans who can play left wing, centre mid, up front, drive the team bus. You know, we, those are the sorts of players who we want. And they are all kind of honest, experienced fourth division grafters. Um, and that's that's the sort of team we are. That's the kind of season it's going to be, you know, with limited budget, with financial issues off the pitch and a small playing squad. Survival is the the kind of target this season and the squad that has been recruited reflects that. You mentioned him there, but obviously Crew signed uh, Mickey Dimitriou. Um, yeah. Were you disappointed, surprised to see him leave after being such a good servant? I think um, it slightly depends who you ask as to whether we thought he was going to stay or not. I, I always expected he would go. He's He had was a wonderful servant to Newport County. I've got so much respect for him as a footballer and as a human being. You know, he's a proper lead by example captain, um, conducts himself brilliantly, model professional. Um I think we probably all knew this was going to be his last chance to get a really good lucrative contract. And the chances are he was going to get that somewhere that wasn't Newport County. I think there were also family issues. I don't think his kids had settled particularly in in Newport. And I think he perhaps wanted to move a bit closer to to home in Shropshire. Um, So it wasn't a huge surprise. He did leave it quite late to make a decision. And um, Coughlin alluded, I think, earlier this week to the fact that maybe Dimitri had kind of strung him along a little bit um, with the negotiations. But, you know, it's football. That's what players do. They need to get the best deal they can. I don't think anyone for a moment blames him for that. Um, And he, of all the players who left, he's the one who can most be assured of a warm welcome uh, when well when he comes back to the parade but also when county fans see him on Tuesday night and um, one thing I should just point out because we mispronounced his name for about three years on the podcast and called him Dimitriou it is Dimitriou and we were picked up on that and so now you've been shown you can practice on your own and get it right I have to be honest, on the pod last week, I was constantly calling him Dimitriou. It is actually, can you just one more time for me, please? Dimit- no, you, you're right, Dim- Dimitriou. Dimitriou. Not, Dimi- not, D- D- not Dimitriou, which is what we were saying oh, right. in okay. error for a long time. So you are on point. Okay, fantastic. And it's also worth noting, and that's probably the first time ever the phrase lucrative contract and crew have been heard in the same sense. <laughs> it's all relative. It's all relative. <laughs> Um, so what sort of style and system will we see from Newport? I've I've read a bit that um, there's been a real kind of aggressive high pressing system yeah. that's been implemented. Yes. So uh, there will be a, an aggressive high press. We did that to good effect uh, against Charlton last Tuesday in the League Cup. We did it to even better effect yesterday against Doncaster in the league. Um, and I'm sure we will stick with that on Tuesday night against you. Uh, against you. We do press very much from the front, assuming the, the starting front two is Seb Palmer Holden and Will Evans. They will press your centre-backs relentlessly. So um, if if your defence are not good at keeping the ball uh, or good at getting rid of the ball quickly, then they will be punished for it. Um, in terms of system, we played all of pre-season and I think started the season with a 5-3-2, which is how we played all of last year. But actually, we, we switched in the last couple of games to four at the back and it seems to have gone fairly well. So whether we stay with that or not, um, I'm not sure, but it, it'll be... Um, yeah, either a 5-3-2 or a 4-4-2. But yeah, very high press. Um, very much us trying... We don't get as much possession, perhaps, as some teams, but when we've got it, we use it. Coughlin's kind of approach is, you know, there's none of this tippy-tappy, pass it along the back line, um, try and keep our possession stats up. It's get the ball, get it into the opposition half, try and do something with it um, quickly. Could be an interesting clash of styles then, and particularly mm. interesting to see how crew combat that, that high press. Um, who would you say the key players we should be looking out for are for Newport? That's a good question. I mean, it's... There is a question, I think, in my mind as to what team we put out on Tuesday. Coughlin, because he's got a small squad, he tends to do this thing where if he's got a game on a Saturday and then on a Tuesday, he'll focus on one more than the other. Um, And if he he has done that, then clearly he got the result he wanted yesterday, beating Doncaster 4-0. It would not surprise me if perhaps on Tuesday, we're not going to rest loads of players because we haven't perhaps got the... Um, the squad depth to do that but we may slightly 
focus our attention a little bit on the following uh, Saturday game and and not go all out against crew because you know physically it's taking a big toll on the players for them to do that physical high press and all the rest of it so um you know there it's it's an open question in my mind as to how much the focus for this week was crew or doncaster um but notwithstanding that um i think the players who you can expect to see who will be critical aaron wildig center midfield um he was at morecambe a few years ago we had him last season but he was kind of injury plagued this season he seems to be coming into his own um as the the man who kind of makes stuff happen and creates in center midfield um up front, we've got this lad, Seb Palmer Holden, on loan from Bristol City. Um, he's like 19, but he's built like a brick outhouse. He is massive, um, but but good with the ball at his feet. Um, and he scored a nice goal uh, yesterday and is a proper like aerial threat, but also yeah does the high-press stuff and the intensity really, really well. Um, the other player who um, I would pick out, probably Adam Lewis, who is likely to play left-back or left-wing-back, um, we uh, have him for the season and we had him last year on loan from Liverpool so he's got a good kind of pedigree um, very quick uh, very physical, likes a cross um, and yeah, it's probably the biggest threat down the left-hand side Okay, you've already mentioned your kind of hope for the season is probably survival, would be the key aim um, so with that in mind, what's, what's your prediction and obviously you've already mentioned maybe a slight tweak in approach for this game um, as opposed to the game on sat on Saturday. What's your prediction for the Crewe-Newport game on Tuesday night? Yeah, I mean, uh, of course, I, I started, yeah, by saying surviving relegation is the target. But obviously, we just come on the, off the back of a 4-0 win. So, you know, we're all now looking at it and saying, oh, we can we can win the league. We're, we're full of optimism <laughs> down in South Wales at the moment. Um, uh, realistically, I I looked at it. You know, all three of your games. I think so far you've you've drawn in ninety minutes. Um, we haven't yet drawn a game, so I think a draw is probably favourite. And to be honest, if you offered me a point from uh, from a trip up to Gressy Road, I'd be perfectly happy with that. So I'm going to say one-one. Uh, I think it'll be a, a hard-fought contest, but I think we'll we'll escape with a point. Brilliant, Ed. Thanks for your time. Ciao, So a curious start to the season for Newport. A 3-0 loss at Accrington in the opening day, a 4-0 win over Doncaster yesterday, with an impressive cup win over the other CAFC sandwiched in the middle. Apparently, they've developed a high-pressing and aggressive kind of a pressure game. Neil, is that going to cause problems for us? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I mean, we've just got to play our game, really, and sort of, work around sort of their tactics and how they're going to do. I mean, yeah, like you say, incredibly impressive result yesterday for them. But uh, So they'll be coming to us on a high. But yeah, I think I like to think on paper, if our players perform and we're at home, obviously good home form we have, um, that we can nick the win. I'm going to ask you to give a prediction for that win then, Neil. Um, two one with uh Dimitriou winner. Oh, like that. Okay, Darren, Newport at home. What do you think? Um, I, I agree. I mean, that that type of team sometimes causes us uh, problems. I remember the game last year, which I happened to be at. I think it was a Friday night game, if I remember rightly, in in December. Went into that thinking we probably should win, and we ended up somehow losing. I think it was. I think we were ahead, if I remember rightly. So it's the sort of team at home we can struggle against, but. A bit like um, Mark was saying, very difficult to know really at this stage how good Newport are in the sense that Doncaster have obviously started really poorly, carrying on from last season. They lost to Harrogate, didn't they? And then they got hammered in, in, in South Wales yesterday. Um, so I, I think it's a sort of game where really it's up to us, this one. We're at home. I think, you know, it, regardless of the opponents, we should, you know, they're a team we should beat or could beat. Um, I think we've just got to really concentrate on what we do. And if we do the right things, I'll go for 2 0. Clean sheet as well. Okay. And Mark, Newport at home. What, what do you think? I can't remember how I became aware of their pre season results. Um, I genuinely can't remember, but I did. And they had an awful pre season. And I was actually um, wondering if they were going to be this year's basket case. Um, and they seemed to get rid of a lot of the better players. And obviously, one came towards. 
in the summer. Um, but then the season starts, and like you say, two the last two results have been really impressive, especially yesterday, because I think Doncaster were tipped to do well. Um, obviously, if if the rumours about them being um, intense presses of the ball, then that worries me. But we ought to be capable at home to, as as the manager always says, go through, over, or around the press. Um, and I think you're right. I think it's the onus is on us. We're at home, really. You know, if the, the, at the moment we want to be pushing for the top seven, with no disrespect intended whatsoever. I think Newport at home should, we should be looking to win. Score. Um, I'll go two one. The Alex. I think going back to that Mansfield the, the pre-season preview wasn't your Mansfield prediction absolutely spot on. No, they didn't invade the pitch, which was completely selfish of them. If they had yeah. done, it would have been spot on, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had everything but. And I think we're in game three of your Nevit will take 10 games to score, Ron. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. I'm regretting that, though. I, I want that to change ASAP. <laughs> OK. Um, Saturday sees another home game against Walsall. Should be a good following from um, Walsall, uh, drive, popping up the M6. Um, I spoke to Tom from the One Pod Beyond for their take on Walsall's start to the season. Okay, Tom. Well, last time we spoke, Michael Flynn was in charge and he was eventually replaced by Matt Sadler, I think, sort of towards the end of the season. How's his pre-season and transfer business gone, in your opinion? Yeah, pretty good. I mean, um, Sadler was a bit of a surprise appointment. Obviously, he had the last three games of last season as a sort of caretaker, and we assumed that would be it. I mean, it's his first job um, in management. He's pretty inexperienced, and we thought they'd probably go for someone a bit more um, experienced. We were linked with people like uh, Graham Alexander, for instance. Um, but no, they they gave it to um, Sadler. And um, yeah, he's, he's making a, a reasonable fist of it at the moment. In terms of the transfers, um, we were sort of at the end of a two-year project almost um, from two managers ago. So um, Matt Taylor came in two years ago um, and we sort of put all our eggs in the basket of sort of uh, three experienced pros. Um, we brought in uh, Manny Monfe, Connor Wilkinson and, and Joss Labadee, all sort of proven League Two performers. Um, and all of them left in the summer, as uh, along with the sort of long-serving midfielder Liam Kinsella. So um, we've still got a, a sort of a good spine of the team, but that those sort of senior pros have moved on. Um, and the, the players you've br- brought in are, are an interesting mix, really. Um, experience. We've got Chris Hussey from Stockport, who obviously um, he played a lot of games for them um, in a decent team last season. Um, we brought in Ryan Sturk from Birmingham, um, who's a, a sort of good midfielder, um, who got good reviews um, from a, his time on loan at, at Mansfield. Uh, Priestley Farkerson, who unfortunately has been injured, um, but uh, came in from Newport and a lot of their fans thought he would get a move higher. So that was seen as a bit of a coup. And then obviously the big one was Danny Johnson. Um, I think securing him um, for another season um, after his loan spell last season was was hugely important. And um, we spoke about it on our end of season pod and, and we weren't convinced that we'd be able to get him. So the fact that we did um, is a feather in the cap of Sadler and the owners. Um, Obviously, things fell apart a little bit when he left um, in January, went back to Mansfield, um, and we went on an awful run, um, to be honest. Um, His 12 goals in half a season ended up being by far far our uh, our highest um, scorer. Um, so yeah, getting Johnson back in by far the best bit of business in the summer, but also some other encouraging signings as well. What sort of um, formation would be likely to see Walsall adopt, and who would the, the key players be that we should look out for? Um, I mean, it's been fluid. He switched from um, three at the back to four at the back, um, depending on the opponents. Um, three is probably the um, the preferred formation. Um, with uh, two wing backs. Interestingly, we, we've gone into the season without a recognised um, right wing back. Um, Tom Knowles had filled in there last season, but he's injured. So we brought in academy graduate Joe Fuchs, um, who played his first game um, in the League Cup at Blackburn 
um, and did so well. He retained his position for the game against Stockport at the weekend, and he did really well as, again. So um, we seem to have filled that right uh, wing-back position from um, from within. Um, in the middle, um, Donovan Daniels, obviously a player who you uh, will know at Crew pretty well, um, captain and sort of um, regular um, sort of reliable centre-half performer, alongside Hussey, who's coming from Stockport, and um, Harry Williams, who's a really interesting player, he was at um, non-league Alv Church um, last season, did well enough that um, he got scouted by Leicester, went on trial at Leicester. They didn't take him on, but we did. So um, he's an interesting young player who's coming from um, from non-league. Obviously, up front, um, you'll have to look out for, uh, for Danny Johnson. Two goals in two games. Um, interestingly, so far, we've had three shots on target in the league and scored three goals. Um, so... Uh, that gives you an idea that we're not perhaps creating a huge amount, but when we do get chances, we do, you know, have the players who can finish them. Um, probably the, the player I would, um, you know, look out for most is Freddie Draper, um, young 18-year-old centre-forward who we've got on loan from Lincoln, who's a real throwback, a real sort of big, bustling sort of um, centre-forward, very physical, but also very skillful, um, set up. Uh, Johnson for a really good goal on uh, on Saturday against Stockport. Um, and then, as last season, our creator is probably going to be um, Isaac Hutchinson, um, who will play in that number 10 role behind uh, Johnson and uh, Draper. I think it'd be fair to say, and I think I remember talking to you last season when you became a um, draw specialist, particularly when Johnson went back, Um Probably a bit of a frustrating season. I think the aim was playoffs or higher, and he didn't really get there. Um, what's the expectation this year with with this new kind of an experienced manager in charge? I I, th- I think you know most of the preseason pundits had us in that group around mid table, um, sort of anywhere from you know tenth down to fourteenth, and I think that was our expectation as well. All our predictions on the pod. Pre-season were, were around that. Um, I think I said um, 11th or 12th. Um, and I think most people, you know, with, with a new untested manager would be happy just to see um, some sort of progression in terms of the the playing style, which, you know, so far it's been encouraging. Um, six goals in in three games um, is uh, is a good return. We've conceded seven. So I think there is, there's a sense it's going to be quite sort of seesaw season in terms of um, scoring goals and conceding them as well. Um, But I think most people are just looking for signs that we're getting a playing style, sort of a a template sorted, because under Mike Flynn, especially in the second half of last season, it was dire. Um, The football was some of the worst we've seen. And that is saying something given, you know, the fact um, we've been on a, a downward spiral for quite a while now. So I think just that sense that there is uh, progression on the pitch um, and off the pitch from the new um, American owners as well. And they seem to be holding up their end of the bargain in terms of the the infrastructure at the club. We started to see some some encouraging signs there. So I don't think anyone's going to be disappointed if we don't make the playoffs. Um, Anything around that mid-table, I think, you know, the fans will be relatively happy as long as they've got something to cheer on the pitch. By the sound of it, you could be kind of a neck and neck with us where we're probably thinking we may end up, which is sort of hanging around mid-table somewhere. A um, couple of 2-1 results for you so far in the league this year. One for you against Morecambe and then one on, sorry, one against you um, when you played Morecambe. And then what I imagine was a pretty satisfying 2-1 win over Stockport. Yeah, really good performance. I mean, Stockport played very well, as as you would expect. I mean, they're, they're a good side. They were. I think we all tipped them to finish in the top three this season as most people did um and but yeah we shaded it um we took our chances they didn't and um yeah we were we were good value for the uh for the 2-1 win so yeah an encouraging performance um unlucky probably to to lose at Morecambe to a 90 second minute goal although these days night the 90 second minute isn't particularly late on is it uh, i think we got up to 102 against um Stockport so um, that that was annoying, you know. Lost to a set piece in in injury time. Um, hit the post. Danny Johnson hit the post, having already scored. So if that had gone the other side, you know, um, we maybe would have been able to hold on for for a win, and it'd be looking a, a bit better. 
the game against Blackburn uh, was a bit of a, a free hit, but we played really well. You know, we went toe to toe with them. They had some. They didn't obviously have a full team out, but they had some really good players playing. Um, and a lot of play, a lot of people who went were, were genuinely encouraged by um, the football that we played. So, um, so yeah, it's been it's been encouraging so far. Okay, all things considered, then, um, and the corresponding fixture, if it's any kind of guide, last year, quite late on in the season, April was a two nil um, home win for Crew. What's your prediction for Saturday's game? Um, I I think we can uh, I think we can get a win actually. Um, we seem to be uh, enjoying the two one um, sort of scoreline at the moment, so I'm going to go two one to Warsaw. Okay, Tom, thanks a lot for your time. Good to have you on. Cheers, mate. Always a pleasure. Like Newport, Walsh have had a mixed start to the season. They lost 2-1 against Morecambe on the opening day, but on Saturday they had an impressive 2-1 victory over Stockport. Normally tricky opponents, Walsall, Mark. What what do you reckon? I'm going to come back to you on that one. Well, I, I thought last year when we played them at home, they were incredibly poor. Um, really, really awful. Um, and yesterday's result made me look twice. I have to say, you know, I, I had um, on my Acker... My bet three six five Acker. I got uh, Stockport down to win that. It's an impressive win. Um, it's a, again, it's tricky. Their starts mixed. I would. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see another two two. Other betting companies are available. Just to make that clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Darren Walsall at home. Yeah, I will. I agree with Mark. I'll go. I'll go for a draw, one-one on the grounds that six points, having predicted a win against Newport, might be too optimistic. But four points would be good. Walsall. It's difficult to say because they had a terrible end to the season, if you remember. Um, I actually, because I lived nearby, I went to see them play at Harrogate towards the back end of last season, and I, and I actually went in the uh, in with the away fans that day. Not that there were many of them, and they were very, very disgruntled. Michael Flynn, the manager that we saw at Swindon, was the manager there. It was obvious they were in all sorts of trouble. You feel like they should be doing a bit better. They were draw specialists last season. As you say, they've had a mixed start, haven't drawn this season. Um, so I feel out of the two games, that one's more likely to be a draw than the Newport one. So I'll go for a draw there. OK. And finally, Neil. Should be a good atmosphere. Like I mentioned earlier, Walsh will always bring a few fans with them. Um, how do you think things will pan out on Saturday afternoon? Yeah, I'm going to predict us uh, predict us to win. Get the six points in the week. Um, and then, yeah, they can go down the M6 on the half day, can't they? What's your score then, Neil? A resounding win? 2-0. Uh, OK, another clean sheet. Nice. I'm glad it's worked out that way with the fixture computer, actually. Walsall coming on the Saturday and not the Tuesday, because they, I would imagine they'll pretty much fill that, that side. Yeah, be a good atmosphere. Yeah, it will. OK, two final bits of business to tend to, first of which sees the appointment of David Vaughan as the under-18s manager um, during the week. Mark, pleased to have Vaughan back officially on the staff. Yes, of course. Um, we still remember his debut against uh, Blackburn, and he looked completely lost um, and he went out to come back in again later and then he was untouchable. Um, it keeps the, the cycle moving, doesn't it? It's one of our own. Um, I think he's earned it. I think he started off part-time. Um, may even have started off coaching um, voluntary, if I remember rightly. So, yeah, it's good to see. Um, I wish him all the best. And an absolute wealth of experience, not just in this country, but overseas as well. So although he is one of our own, he, he brings a, hopefully, um, a really interesting take on things to that team. And a final bit of business. After eight years, for now, Dave Richards um, moves on to St Johnston on loan for the remainder of the season. Neil, good business for all there, do you think? Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, it's good. I think it's yeah, it's nice for him to sort of get away and sort of fresh, fresh place and stuff. I did notice. I had a look um, last night, and I think he 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 started on the bench. So I mean, he's he's basically moved from one bench to another. But I think for for everyone concerned, I think it's a the best move. My I do have a my my thought process is a bit weird with it because I wonder or worry about sort of Tom Booth in terms of 
what that leaves with him this season because is he just going to spend the season on the bench? He's probably not going to develop too much with that. Um, whereas ideally, if you knew the riches are here all season, you could potentially loan him out to like a conference team to get more experience. But um, yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, but ultimately, for Dave Richards, I think it's good for for him to move away and um, try his luck somewhere else. Mark, it seems fitting that I come to you for the final word on Dave Richards. Your thoughts on the move? Well, the first thing I want to stress um, is that I've got absolutely nothing against him as a person. I believe he's a great character um, and he certainly looks it. Uh, I, you know, I wish him nothing but the best. I just think it, it needed to happen for him as much as us. Um, to go back to your point, Neil, I think I agree. I think um, Booth really should be playing somewhere. Having said that, I don't think Crew Alex can afford three full-time goalkeepers. Uh, I think it's just a luxury we can't afford. And Dave Richards is, is rumoured to be the highest earner. I'm not sure what we pay towards uh, the, the loan keeper's wages, but um, it's lessened some of his wage off the bill. And I think it, it's good for him. He didn't start yesterday. I had a look as well. Um, and they've not got off to a very good start and they've got Celtic next. So he's probably going to want to miss that one um, before he gets in. But, you know, I, I wish him nothing but the best. Um, eight years is a long time. And I think uh, it speaks for itself, really, in eight years that he never managed to establish himself as an out-and-out -out number one that, that was, you know, was first on the team sheet every week and we were all comfortable with. Um I think that should have, at least at some point, that should have happened and it never has. So, you know, good luck to him. OK, that will be us for this week. Um, obviously, the pod will be back next week, looking back at the two home league games. But for now, Neil, Mark and Darren, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And until next time, goodbye. Bomb, 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 bomb